May we pray. Risen Christ, your wounds declare your love for the world and the wonder of your risen life. Give us compassion and courage to risk ourselves for those we serve to the glory of your name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Good morning and happy Easter and also happy Mother's Day. Beginning with the fifth Sunday of Easter, there is a decided shift in the Easter emphasis. We know the time between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ was a time of teaching. The Gospel of Luke informs us in Acts, uh, excuse me, Luke informs us in Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus appeared to his disciples during 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. The central emphasis of all of Jesus' teaching and ministry was the kingdom of God. The place where he rules and reigns and where his will and his purposes are done. So here's the shift. Jesus knew that he had to prepare his disciples for his ascension and his return to the Father. He had to address the question of how he would continue to remain present with them and guide them in his physical absence. So the focus for the rest of the Easter season is on this particular issue. And Jesus prepares his disciples to be the church, to be his body, the continued presence of Jesus in the world. The church itself is a sign, a sacrament of Jesus to all people. The fifth Sunday of Easter focuses on ministry. Jesus taught his disciples that he came to serve, and now the disciples in Sunda Church had to learn to do the same, following the example of their good shepherd that we talked about last week. We, the church, are called to be the incarnational presence of the Lord to the world. We are called to intentionally turn the face of the church outward. So all who are in Christ are servants who do the work of ministry. Christ is the chief minister and he has called some in the body to provide leadership in the communities as he explained in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 which says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So the responsibility for these leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to equip God's people, the church, his body, to do his work, to be ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation. Church is not to be a stage or personality driven. It is not all up to bishops, priests, and deacons, the ordained clergy. We all get to play. We all get to be involved in ministry. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The paradigm shift is to recover resurrection, spirituality, and ministry. And all who are in Christ are ministers. All who follow Jesus Christ are joining him on mission, doing the things that he is doing, what he did, what he's doing now. I came here to all saints with this purpose and will continue to make this my mission to turn the face of the church upward in worship and prayer to glorify and honor God. That leads to inward through discipleship and spiritual formation that always turns itself outward in loving and serving our neighbors, announcing, demonstrating, embodying the gospel of the kingdom of God. As we take this upward journey of worship and prayer and inward journey of spiritual formation, discipleship, letting the kingdom of God percolate in our being, we grow into the image of Jesus Christ. And as this happens, we see the natural and normal outward journey taking place as we reflect him in his kingdom by the way that we live and by taking intentional opportunities to share his love and the good news of the gospel to others. <clears throat> to understand Jesus, we must understand his mission and his message. And at its heart was the kingdom of God. When Jesus spoke about God's kingdom, he was talking not about a place, but about a powerful reality. And the reality was God at work to bring out into the open a people who would voluntarily live their lives under his guidance. This kingdom is a God movement. It was real, down-to-earth, present, and powerful. In fact, when he declared that the kingdom of God was near, Jesus was saying that God was invading this world in a new way. God's mission through his son was to be a total revolution overthrowing Satan, sin, evil, and death, bringing earth and heaven back into harmony. So this God movement was far more than an idea or a heavenly dream. It was a down-to-earth. Jesus taught his followers to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom which Jesus proclaimed was not just in heaven, it was more like an invasion of earth by heaven. It operated in a real world among real people with real problems and showed that a new reality had come. Jesus gave his mission and purpose in Luke chapter 4 verses 18 through 21 and I'd like to read that. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Not only was this Jesus' mission, but as we keep reading the biblical story, we find that he calls his followers, you and me, to do the same. So this is our mission. This is our purpose as well. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 2 to clean house. 
We are to strip off or lay aside some things. Here Peter gave an insight for helping us resist sin. And it is this. We can live a godly life because we have tasted of God's kindness. And to the extent that we experience God's love, we won't want to sin because we will see that it isn't good for us and it grieves God's spirit. And we will want to live in obedience to the one who loves us and has transformed our lives so dramatically and drastically. So when the kingdom of God comes, everything changes. Verse 2 paints a picture of a child being nourished by its mother's milk. We all drank milk as newborn babies, and that milk gave us strength to those baby soft bones. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Besides the literal understanding of the word milk, it has um, been understood symbolically in the early church. This milk symbolized the goodness of God that would sustain and nourish life. God shared his life with us, and by receiving it, we grow up, we mature, uh, and we grow into the the whole full stature of salvation in God. Uh, Verses 4 through 8 talk about Jesus Christ being the living stone of God's saving work and the foundation of our lives. We are God's chosen holy people who continuously celebrate and declare the mercy and the love of God that comes through Jesus Christ. So there are some people who reject or stumble over the stone. Verse 8 says they stumble because they disobey the message. In other words, people reject him. However, God chose him, his son, Jesus Christ, for great honor. We're told to present ourselves as Um, building and living stones for the construction of a sanctuary, vibrant with life, a spiritual temple in which we will serve as holy priests, offering Christ-following and honoring lives up to God. Of course, this is talking about the church. I love and I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. We celebrate where the church is impacting the world and we grow in areas where we aren't. We look to see where God is at work and we join him in what he's doing. It might be a neighbor who is grieving over the death of a loved one, a co-worker in relationship difficulties, a family down the street with a wayward child, a widow in need of groceries, a friend in deep depression or fatal sickness. The list is endless. And may we have eyes to see and ears to hear the cries all around us. Listen to these words from today's lesson from 1 Peter and ask ourselves what it is that we believe Christ asks of us. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now, of course, I just read it from a paraphrase, but nonetheless, it it speaks in it, and it speaks to us, and it it gives some real 
um, understanding and um, to us, and it gives us an image here that that we're called from um, from night and day difference that He made, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted, and we're called to be His instruments to do His work and to speak out. Many people look at the church as a chapel, a temple, a shrine, even God help us, a museum. For too many people, the church is a place that we go to pay respect and worship to God. Some go weekly, some go every month or so, some perhaps once or twice a year. But once they've done that, they feel that they have fulfilled their religious obligation. These are nice and wonderful people, special people. However, they don't understand what it means to be the church. The church is not so much a place we go. The church is who we are. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work, to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. This building is not the church, even though it is a sacred place that we meet as the church to worship the triune God. When we leave this building, we are still the church. When we go to our community activities, we are still the church. When we dine with our family and friends, when we have recreation, when we go to the office, when we cast our ballot on election day, we are still the church. And if we do any of these things with no thought to God, nor with the purpose to obey God or to reflect his character and nature, we are betraying our calling as, a, as followers of Jesus Christ. We are the gathered church, and we are the scattered church. Many of us are nice people, religious people, but we're confused about who we are and what we're supposed to be and do. It would be helpful to think of ourselves as priests, as 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about. When I say that we are to think of ourselves as priests, I don't mean that in a sense of ordination to the priesthood, serving the sacraments, hearing confessions, etc. However, we are all called to be representatives of God, just as a priest represents God to the people of the people to God. We are to be priests and we have a responsibility to one another. The New Testament is clear about that. Who are we? We're priests to one another. Regardless of whether we see eye to eye on things, we have a responsibility for one another. When a thorn pierces the foot, the whole body bends over to pull it out. When one person in a community experiences pain, the rest of the community shares its strength with that person in order to ease the pain. That's who we are. Priests one to another. However, we can't always pick up the pain by reading minds. The body needs to let us know when there is pain so we can gather around and give support, prayer, and encouragement. We are also called to be priests to the world. In other words, we are God's representatives to our neighbors, our, our friends, our co-workers, and to the wider world for whom Christ died and loves 
The purpose of the church is to change the spiritual, social, moral, and political climate of the world so that the kingdoms of this world bear a more striking resemblance to the kingdom of our God. We do this by ministry to persons in need, and we do this by the witness of our lives to the world. We are people who have a strong sense of God's presence in our lives, and it is to spread by the way that we live. Mission is so much more effective through lifestyle than it is through a program. We show people who we are, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. It's time for the Church of Jesus Christ, this royal priesthood called by God to represent him in the world, to get to work so that the world knows exactly who we are. It's time to turn the face of the church, yes, upward and inward, but our text is specially calling us to face outward. Do we know who we are? Do we know what we're called to do? But you are the ones chosen by God chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Our reading in 1 Peter chapter 2 ends in verses 11 and 12, and it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. People all around us are hurting, especially during this time of the pandemic. May we pray, may we love, may we bless, may we serve, may we write notes and send texts of encouragement, may we bake bread or sweets, the list goes on and on. Let them know that we're thinking about them and we're praying for them. People are hurting. And Christ wants to love and serve them through you and through me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.